I just want to put a conclusion, if I can, to the, to the entire book of Jeremiah. You know, of course, that Jeremiah was writing under extreme uh, circumstances. God had determined to uh, totally change the nation of Israel. He first allowed the ten northern tribes to be taken in captivity, uh, captivity uh, under uh, the Assyrians, and they were totally decimated. Among the ten tribes to the north, there was not one, not one good king in all of the ten tribes. Then uh, when it came to the uh, two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, in the south, there were several uh, uh, kings, but only a few really good ones. And Israel just kept falling back into this sin. Their leadership was bad, and they would not obey their leadership even when it was good. They just kept falling back into the sin of idolatry, continually so, even to the point of sacrificing their own children, if we can believe that, that those things scramble my mind. But God said he would totally, totally take away uh, the nation of Israel uh, for a given period of time. We know that to be 70 years. It was based upon the Sabbaths that they did not obey God and allowing the, the land to lay fallow. But that really wasn't the entire catalyst. God just used that as a time of judgment for some 70 years. And we know the entire nation was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon. God had said that he would institute a Gentile king. As a matter of fact, Gentile nations would rule the world. Israel would never again rule the known world as God had given them opportunity. But Gentile nations would rule the known world and, um, and God would allow this to be so. First would be the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, finally the Roman Empire, and then the time of the end would take place under Antichrist. So God had this sovereign plan that he'd worked out. His plan is still in motion. It's over 2,000 years now uh, since uh, Messiah came, but uh, God's plan is still in motion. There is yet one left world empire to rule the known world, and that will be the empire of Antichrist. He will not totally take the world over because he is in, in Daniel's... Uh, uh, in Nebuchadnezzar's vision, he's the legs of iron and clay. They're not cohesive. He will try to rule the world, but yet he will be stopped by the nations round about him. So he'll never have complete control of the world, and God will eventually crush him. So why am I saying all that? Because Daniel is living in a time now of difficulty, great difficulty. Turn with me to Jeremiah. I said Daniel, I'm sorry. Jeremiah, the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah now living in this time of great difficulty in Jeremiah chapter 1, but it was not as if he did not know this. God had already informed him that he would be in a grave difficulty, and that difficulty would be everyone would be against him. The entire nation had gone apostate. There were but a few men that were, for any sense, godly men left in the nation itself, just a handful, really, but notice what God said to Jeremiah. We're in Jeremiah 1.18. For behold, I have made thee this day a, a fortified city in a bronze pillar and bronze wall against the whole land. <coughs> I'm giving you backbone and stamina. I'm giving you strength, Jeremiah. It's my strength. It's not your strength. I'm going to make you like a bronze wall, solid, incapable of penetration. I'm going to make you like a fortified city. 
that no one can get into. And what's going to happen, notice in, again in verse 18, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, and against its people. Who was on his side? No human being. <laughs> Everyone was going to be against him. Notice, against the kings, that would be the king running, uh, the, the, the king that was in charge of the nation at that time, and we saw there were at least four of them that were in charge during that day. Four kings against him. Against its princes, this would be uh, the sub-rulers around him uh, in the government, around him, the towns and the cities. Against the priests, those would be what we would know to be the pastors, the religious leaders, and against the people of the land. Everyone was going to be against Jeremiah. How could he stand? How could he make it? Well, God had promised him, what you're going to experience is not the end, it's just the beginning. And we want to look at that together if we can for just a little while. God had promised him far more than just total destruction of the nation. God had promised him that the nation would rise again one day. It is yet to do that. They have been destroyed, never to recover as far as we're concerned. But God's word says one day there's a time coming when the nation of Israel will be the, uh, the uh, pinnacle of the entire world. And we'll see that as we move through this book of Jeremiah. First realize there's going to be rough times for the nation. There was rough times as far as Israel was concerned. They're taken in captivity. They're removed. But then remember, they're allowed to be brought back into their land under Xerxes after the 70-year period of time. So the time that Jeremiah is now going to be, God's going to be speaking to Jeremiah about is a time yet to come. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 30 for a moment, please. Jeremiah chapter 30. And Jeremiah makes it very plain that God is not talking about the present condition, but a future condition for the nation. And that future condition will be something of great turmoil. We're in Jeremiah chapter 30. Look, if you would, please, at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Speak, speak, speak. Uh, thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel. Write all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. So I want you to pen down the book of Jeremiah. It will come right before the book of Isaiah in my book. No, that's not what he said. But I want you to write all these words down. And so we have this glorious book of Jeremiah. Verse 4, For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring against the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to this land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. These are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and concerning Judah. It's very important. Who's he talking about? He's not talking about the United States. He's not talking about Russia. He's not talking about Euroasia. He's talking about the, uh, the land of Israel only. This is the words, these words concerning Israel and concerning Judah, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Verse 5, for thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not peace. Ask now and whether, see whether a man does travail with child. Why do I see every man with his hands upon his loins like a woman in travail, and all faces turn to paleness? Why does it look like men are having children? you know, in travailing in childbirth. Why, why does it look like that? These men seem like they're, they're in, in advanced labor as far as children are concerned. Alas, for that day is great, so that there is none like it, even unto the time of Jacob's trouble. 
but you shall be saved from it. See, it's not their present condition they run, or even the, the uh, near future condition as, as uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes in to take over the land. This is yet a future condition. There's never been a time like it, and there never will be another time like it. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Verse 7, for alas, that day is great, so that none is like it even from the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved from it. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off his neck and will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more enslave them. <clears throat> so this yet future day is coming, and it's a day when God was going to work through and in the nation of Israel, and, of course, Judah, the southern kingdom. So Jeremiah's whole book is written to show them that there's an impending judgment coming, and that's from Nebuchadnezzar. But there's a day of restoration coming. But in that day of restoration, there's going to be a time of trouble, a time of very severe uh, trouble. We know it to be the great tribulation period for the nation of Israel. It's recorded in the book of the Revelation. The Lord Jesus mentions it in, his, uh, in, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all mention this great tribulation period. They mention it in brief, but uh, John, the writer John, covers it in complete detail in what we know to be the uh, last book of the Bible, the Revelation. And what is that all about? It's a time when God is going to prepare the nation of Israel to meet their Messiah. And we want to breeze through this, if we can, together, just to recognize Jeremiah is talking about judgment, judgment to come. If you do not honor the Lord, you'll be judged, and they were judged. But God also says there's a time of full restoration coming. There's a time of complete and full restoration coming uh, to the nation. So let's look at this, if we can. There's a remnant saved. Look at your wood, please, at, at verse 8. In verse 9, in the same chapter, Jeremiah 30, verse 8, For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off his neck, and will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more enslave them. But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. What's he talking about? David's already been there. David's already ruled. David's already reigned. What's he talking about? There's a future time of restoration in which God will place David back on the throne. It's all yet future. These things have been past, but God says there's yet a future for the nation that I will set up again. Such a wonderful, wonderful time of reign for the nation of Israel. We know it, of course, as I mentioned, the, great, the time of Jacob's trouble. Turn with me to the book of Zechariah for a moment, please. Zechariah chapter 12 one of the last of the minor prophets, Zechariah, <clears throat> chapter 12. There's coming a time when the person of, that we know as the person of Antichrist will come upon the nation of Israel and he will attack, literally attack the nation. You can read that in First and Second Thessalonians, Matthew chapter 24, the book of the Revelation, all pointing to this time of this person called Antichrist. And he's going to come against the nation of Israel with such great force. It's never, the Lord Jesus said, unless I make this time short, there will not be one soul left alive. 
because of God's great pouring out of his judgment and the wickedness of this great world empire ruler named Antichrist himself. And of course, he is empowered by Satan. But they're going to surround the capital city of Jerusalem. And at that time, the capital city is going to say, that's it, we're finished, we're done, we can't do any more, we're finished right where we stand. But Messiah is going to come at that last moment. Our, our blessed Lord Jesus is going to come down in what we know to be the second coming of Messiah. We're not talking about the rapture of the saints, the translation of the saints. That's already fixed when we will be taken out. But the Lord Jesus does not come to earth that is to rule and reign at that time. We go back to heaven with him. But during these last days, these days on earth, when Antichrist comes against the nation of Israel, Israel will almost be totally decimated. And Zechariah speaks about that. We're in Zechariah chapter 12. Let's start in verse 1, please. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, who stretches forth the heavens and lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, he says, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the peoples round about when they shall be in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. See, the nations that are going to attack, these nations we read in the book of the Revelation will be stirred up by demonic entities. And they'll all head for Jerusalem. What are they doing? Antichrist, it's his last-ditch effort. Satan knows that this is it. We need to stop Messiah from coming back to earth. It just shows you that he does not, he's not all-knowing. He is not omniscient. He thinks he can literally stop Messiah from coming. And so he gathers the nations of the world into a place that we know as Armageddon, the Battle of Megiddo. It's a valley in the nation of Israel. The scriptures tell us there'll be so many men packed so tight in this valley and roundabout, by the way, that will be in the north of the land. In the south of the land, there'll also be people. And in the very far south of the land, near the Dead Sea, there'll be also be a, another group of armies. But the Lord God's going to come at that time, and he's going to save the nation Israel finally and completely. Look, if you would, please, at... Uh, verse 3, and in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all peoples, and all, the burden, all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, through, uh, though all the nations of the earth be gathered together against it. You see, it fits into the book of the Revelation. All the nations are going to be gathered against Jerusalem. They're going to be right on the brink of total desolation. For the, nation of, for the city of Judah itself, the, cap, uh, the city of Jerusalem, the capital city. And God says, I'm going to come. Look at verse 4. In that day the Lord, uh, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with terror and every rider with madness. And I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah. And I will smite every horse of all the peoples with blindness. And the governors of Jude, Judah shall say in their heart, the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength. And the Lord of hosts, their God. So Israel's turning to the Lord in a time of trouble. But it's not Messiah yet. It's not Messiah yet. Did you ever notice how people get religious in a time of trouble? Very religious. You get word from the doctor that things aren't exactly what you thought they should be. Religious. The cell door slams on someone. Religious. They're in a foxhole, 
with mortifier around them, religious. Men get religious in times of need, and that's what's going to happen for the nation of Israel. They're going to become religious, but then Messiah comes, and they see him for who he is, and they recognize him for who he is, and they believe on him for who he is, none other than the Lord Jesus. Pick it up in verse 6. And that day I will make the governor's Judah like a hearth of fire among the wood. God gives supernatural ability to these people. They're just hanging on by their fingertips. They're, 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 they're off on a ledge, if you would. And they're hanging on by their fingertips, just waiting for some help, someone to come. And the nations have rejected them. We read that in the book of Ezekiel. The nations will say to Antichrist, what, why are you doing this? Why, why are you going against... Uh, Israel, is it to take a spoil? There'll be some kind of diplomatic relations, but it will not be uh, something to help the people of Israel themselves. But God's going to give supernatural people to those men and women that are left in Jerusalem to, to be able to withstand what's coming upon them. And they shall devour all the peoples round about on the right hand and on the left, and Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, even in Jerusalem. The Lord shall also save the tents of Judah first, and the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do magnify themselves against Judah. And that day, saith the Lord, um, shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the feeble among them in that day shall be like David, and the house of David shall be like God and the angel of the Lord before them. You see, they're going to have this supernatural strength to be able to fight against Antichrist and his his cohorts that are coming upon uh, them. In the final moments of that battle, verse 9, and it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Judah. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and, and, and be in bitterness for him as one that is in uh, bitterness for his firstborn. They, when Messiah comes, they're going to look and they're going to recognize him as Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. How will they know that? Of course, we do not completely understand that. We completely do not know that. But we know at that time when Messiah comes, they will completely recognize him and they will completely repent of their sins. And God will save the tents of Judah first. That is, he'll give them the strength to withstand. And then God himself will come with his armies. And we can read that throughout the scriptures, but there's just not time to do that. I'm just trying to show you that God is promising the nation you will be once again restored in the last days. And that was what Jeremiah heard. That was Jeremiah's hope. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 32 for a moment. Jeremiah chapter 32. Though Jeremiah was to bring a horrible message of, of defeat, destruction, taken away in captivity, he still had a message of hope for the nation of Israel. And you know, we, we can, in, in a very brief way, place this upon us. Look at our nation. Look what's going on. Look at the things going on round about us. We say, well, there's no hope for the, for the United States of America as far as getting back to some kind of spiritual walk with God. And there may not be. I do not know that. But we know one day we'll be rescued from the whole business. And though nation after nation falls, 
Think of Europe, if you would. The great nations of the world in their day, they were representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, just like our nation was in the past. And now, they are not what they used to be. Not at all. If you look at England, it's anything but godlike. And at one time, it was one of the greatest missionary arms of the Lord Jesus Christ that ever existed. But not today, not any longer. And that may happen to the United States as well. But we don't look at the present, we look at the future. God has a plan here. Uh, one year from now, some of us might not be here. We look for that time of being with him. We're not talking about the, uh, the present conditions, we're talking about the future. We set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. We're in Jeremiah chapter 32. Look at verse 36, please. Jeremiah 32, 36. <clears throat> And now, therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, concerning this city to which I shall be delivered unto the hands of the king of Babylon by the, uh, by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. So God says, I'm talking about Jerusalem. I'm talking about this very city. I'm talking about the city that you're now in, the one that I'm going to turn over to, to Nebuchadnezzar. I will one day restore this city. Picking up in verse 37, Behold, I will gather them out of all countries to which I have driven them in mine anger and my fury and will, and, in great wrath, and I will bring them again unto this place and cause them to dwell safely. Well, isn't he talking about the time when Xerxes II allows them to go back? Not hardly. Just a few thousand people went back to the land during the second regathering. Just a few thousand comparatively so. No one wanted anything to do with the land of Palestine. They were all happy wherever they were. They had started families and houses, and they had dug wells, and they had lands there all throughout the northern part of what we know to be the Fertile Crescent. They were happy where they were. Who wanted to go back to Jerusalem? Almost no one, comparatively so, with the tens of thousands that were left, that had left. But God said, there's coming a day when I will gather them together. In verse 38, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. That has not happened as of yet. God started off with a nation like that, but then they turned against him. But there's coming a day when he's going to gather them back together. And listen, verse 39, and I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and for the, um, the children for their children after them, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them, and I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will uh, put my fear in their hearts, and they shall not depart from, from me. And we'll stop right there, but recognize, God says there's a future coming for the nation of Israel. We have not seen it, but we will see it. One day we're going to see that God is going to put his spirit in their inward parts. Look if again with me uh, at the book of Luke, if you could. Uh, actually, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. God is going to do a work in the nation of Israel one day. So Jeremiah had a great burden upon him. He had to talk about the destruction of the nation, and yet, even in the destruction of the nation, he could say, listen, God's going to do something someday. God's going to do something, even though you do not love him now. One day, God will do something with this nation and with its people. We're in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Look, please, if you would, 
at verse 15 for a moment. Matthew 24, 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. When, when you see Antichrist set up an image of himself in the temple, when you see what Daniel described as the abomination that makes desolate, this horrible man doing horrible things to the nation, when you see that, run, he says in verse 16. Then let him who was in Judah flee into the mountains, and let him who was in the house uh, taught not come down uh, to take anything from his house. If you've ever been to the nation of Israel, all of the roofs are flat roofs. The reason is they gather the rain from, from the nation. It runs down through troughs in the roof and runs into barrels. They save all the rain they can. It's an extra room up there where in the, in the uh, in the evening, in the cool of the evening, people can go up and sit on their roof and let the, let the winds blow on them to cool them off. Very, very few have the modern conveniences we have. And so God says, if you're up on the roof and you're, and you're in the cool of the evening and you hear about Antichrist, don't even go down in the house. Jump off the roof and run because of the wickedness of this vile man that's going to come. He says, and woe unto those who are with child and those who are nursing children in those days. But I pray that your, uh, your flight be not in the winter and neither be on the Sabbath day. Don't, everything would be closed down. There's no supplies they could get. If it's in the winter, it's a horrible time of coldness up 2,500 feet above sea level there in Jerusalem. And he says in verse 21, for there shall be great tribulation as such was not since the beginning of the world to this time nor even shall, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there shall be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake shall those days be shortened. See, God ha still has his sovereign people. God is still going to use his people. God is going to save his people from total decimation, from total annihilation. Why? Because God is sovereign in all things. Luke points out, uh, this great time. Turn with me to Luke chapter 21 for a moment, please. Luke chapter 21. Luke points out something very similar to this. It's the same uh, message, only Luke is adding just a little bit that Matthew has not added. We're in Luke uh, chapter 21. Let's start right in verse 20, if we could, please. And you shall see Jerusalem compassed about with armies. Know then that its desolation is near. Let them who are in Judea flee into the mountains, and let them who are in the midst of it depart, and let, them, uh, let not them that are in the countries enter into it. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. So the Lord Jesus warns, please, look at verse 24, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive unto all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down by the Gentiles, until the fullness of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Has that happened? Well, yes, it has. When did it happen? Well, it, it happened when Titus Vespasian went in and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And it was during a feast time in the nation of Israel. So all the, all the people of Israel were gathered together for the feast in 70 AD. And what happened? General Titus came in, one army from the south, one from the north. They came in and they encompassed the city and they slaughtered, they slaughtered uh, the, uh, the Jews there in Jerusalem. 
I am told, I do not know this to be factual, scripturally speaking, but I am told historically that over 10,000 Jews were laid on crosses that day. 10,000 Jews. They lined the streets of Jerusalem on crosses. They were crucified by the uh, Roman army. Well, did that happen? Well, yes, of course it did. But that is not the end. We know that God has a plan for his nation. When he returns, he's going to come to set up his millennial kingdom, his, his kingdom in which will rule righteousness. And all Israel that is left, the book of Romans tells us in chapter 11, all Israel shall be saved. Now what's going to happen during that time? Well, turn back with me to Jeremiah, please. Jeremiah chapter 30 again. We just read this, but I'd like to read it again in the next five minutes we have here. In Jeremiah chapter 30, God has a plan. He's going to put his spirit in their inward parts, Jeremiah tells us. He's going to give them a new heart. They will be like unto us. They'll have a new heart, born again. All of these Jews that are left in this, in this terrible time known as Jacob's a trouble. And so we read in Jeremiah chapter 9, Notice if you would please write, um, chapter 30, I'm sorry, write in verse 9, Jeremiah 39, that they will, I read this, but I want you to see it again, but they shall serve the Lord their God in Jerusalem and David their king. God, when he returns, he's going to set up his millennial kingdom and there will be, if you will, there will there, there'll be a sub-regents below him. We know from the book of, of uh, the Revelation, and we also know from the Gospel accounts, that Jesus said to his 12 disciples, you shall sit on the 12 thrones with me in my Father's kingdom. He told his, his Jewish disciples that. What an exciting time that's going to be. And David will be there as a sub-regent under the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll serve the Lord their God and David their king. And we'll view all this. We will see all all of this take place. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. Look at verse 1. Woe be unto the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. That's present conditions there in Israel. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries to which I have driven them, and will bring them again unto their folds, and they shall be in a fruitful place and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them who shall feed them, and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed. <clears throat> Neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute justice and righteousness in the earth. And in his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this shall be his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. The promise coming from Jeremiah to the people of Israel, God is going to do something unique. God's going to do something special and precious. He's going to send Messiah Jesus. And of course, we know that he did come. 
they rejected. He came unto his own Israel, and his own received him not. But when he comes back, when what we know to be his second coming, Israel will receive him. All that's left, that is. All Israel that's left will, in fact, receive uh, Jesus as Messiah. And he will set up what is known as a thousand-year millennial kingdom. And I am just about out of time. But remember where Jeremiah was. Jeremiah is in Jerusalem. What's going to happen there? There's going to be all kinds of captivity, all kinds of slaughter that will take place. And, and Jeremiah says that one day, one day, I will build this place once again, and it will be the jewel, the jewel of the Middle East. The temple, we read in the book of Ezekiel, will be 50 miles, the city will be 50 miles square, the whole city of Jerusalem. It's now uh, about a little more than a mile square. The whole city will be 50 miles square. The temple itself will be something like seven miles square. If you want to read about that, you can read about that in Ezekiel chapter 48, where God talks about the temple, and he lays out rooms, and he talks about the rooms of the temple, and the sacrifice, and he talks about all that. And you and I will all be witnesses of that, because we, we're told in uh, Zephaniah and in Zechariah that we will lead people to Jerusalem to meet Messiah. They'll be coming and going, the scriptures tell us. You say, well, <clears throat> all this is fantasy. Well, think about it if you would. The prophecy of Jeremiah, a thousand years before the coming of Messiah. And even prior to that, many of the other prophets. Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming, well, Messiah came. And every prophecy about Messiah, uh, 2,000 years before his coming, every prophecy about him was completely and literally fulfilled. Up to and including his death and his resurrection. And the same Bible that said that tells us, you and I today, Messiah is coming back. Say, well, I haven't seen it. Where is the promise of his coming? We read in the book of 2 Peter. Where is, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as they were from the beginning. Where is the promise of his coming? Well, the fact is he promised it, so he's coming. We do not know when. We don't know all the, all the, all the surroundings of that, but we know this, that one day he will return, and perhaps soon. And we also know this, when he returns, there will be a great slaughter for those who believe not the glorious gospel of Christ. So what does God tell us through his word? Well, he told Jeremiah, you're going to face hardship. What does he tell you and I as New Testament Christians? You're going to face hardship. But the sufferings, Jeremiah told the nation of this present time, are not worthy to be compared with what he's going to do. And that same promise is given to you and I, the very same thing. Lord willing, next time we get together, we're going to begin looking at, on Sunday evening, what on earth is God doing? So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the food, Father, that these men and women have worked so hard on downstairs. Thank you for each one that read the book of Jeremiah. We know, Father, in reading the book of Jeremiah, we've been fed twice. We've been fed with the glorious word of God. And now we'll have some refreshment together. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for your grace to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.